Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. And this is The Late Lunch with Cahill Dervin and Sinead Brazel. We're here with you until half three today. We're going to look back very shortly at the year of 1990, the year of the World Cup, Italian 90, Jack Charlton, the Pope, and the trip to tip. Fela is coming back. Fela Classical has sold out two nights at Semple Stadium coming up in the very near future. We're going to be looking back at Fela with our own Adrian Taff and with Brendan Murphy from the four of us. If you have a Fela story, we'd love to hear from you already on Facebook. Ruth O'Connell, our own Ruth from the newsroom, has been on to say that she was up the front for the four of us at Fela back in 1990. We will discuss that and a whole lot more with Brendan very shortly. But we're going to begin today with a man by the name of Peter Callahan, who's the owner of Callahan's Butchers there in RD. Good afternoon to you, Peter. And Peter will be with us very dear there, Peter. Peter is, perhaps Peter's looking back at his memories of Fela because he's not there on the line. So we will come back to that in a very short moment. But first of all, if you do have a Fela story, our text number is 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658. You can also ring in to Breeze on the phone desk there, 1850-715-958, 1850-715-958. And you can follow us across Twitter at LMFM Radio, Facebook and Instagram. And as I said already, Ruth O'Connell from our newsroom has been on to say that she was up the front for the four of us at Fela. We'll be coming back to that story very shortly. Also today we'll be talking to Shane Monaghan, a rugby player, former rugby player from Drogheda, a player on the last Ireland team to win the under-20s Grand Slam, that under Eric Elwood back in 2007 and a great Ireland team that was. Shane went on to play with Leinster, Munster, Connacht, Gloucester. Uh, he nearly died, would you believe, on the pitch from a pre-heat exhaustion during a training game with Gloucester all those years ago. But Shane is now an entrepreneur on the up and he will be telling us all about his new app and how he's going to do for audio on social media what Instagram has done for photographs. So that will be just after two o'clock. Shane will be coming just around the corner from his home place in Drada to sit in studio with us and we look forward to that. After two after 2.30, Linda Ennis and Shona McManus from Drogheda Chamber of Commerce will be telling us all about the M1 Skillnet programme. But we're going to go back to RD and back to Peter Callahan. Peter, good afternoon to you. How are you? Are you a Fela veteran, Peter? Pardon? Are you a veteran of Fela? Um, yeah, I played in a hall in Fela <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> no, we were actually talking I managed the Fela team this year. The areas <laughs> were in the local Fela. So, uh, yeah, slightly, crack. good stuff. But slightly different. We were talking about the Fela and the trip to tip down all those years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Were you ever any of them? No, I was a good boy. I never went to any of those things. Uh, so, failure, failure for you is all about hurling and football. 
yes, it would be. <laughs> you had a visitor last Wednesday, Peter, to your butcher shop there. Oh, we did, we did. And this man is now famous because you've put his image across Facebook. He didn't realise he was being videoed, did he? He probably didn't know, but I will say one thing about him. He knows quality. He knew where to go for a good bit of a good bit of steak or a good salad roll at the deli there, so we'll give him that. What time of the night was this? Oh, it was about four o'clock in the morning. Exactly. The alarm centre rang me about uh, two minutes past four, and uh, I just checked the cameras, because sometimes some of these alarms can go off with something falling off a shelf or whatever. But uh, I was just about to check the cameras. I got a phone call off the local postman, Brian Farley, and he said, Brian, Peter, you have to been broken into... So um, I rang back to monitoring centre, yeah, we've been broken into, and uh, they rang the guards. And I'd say between getting the first call and getting over the shop took me four to five minutes, and the guards were there before me. So fair play to the guards. They were there. He didn't have very long. No, no. He was in, he came into the premises for about, he was in it for about 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds. And as you do, you leave your tails open with the drawers out of them, you know. And um, He realised there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Yeah. Now, on the back of the cameras, uh, you've produced a very funny video on Facebook because you give us a running commentary on how the guy tried to make entry. And it took him a few attempts in his white van, didn't it? Oh, he's five or six ramens he did. You know, the last two now were fairly... He let the foot off fairly well mm. like, and rammed into it, you know. And there was a car passed by at one stage, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, there was... He, yeah, he did. Uh, when it passed by, he, he, he just stopped, you know, and then went again. So, yeah. Now, in terms of the footage, you've, as I say, you've released this already. There's a very entertaining uh, commentary from your good self, and you talk about does he want a steak or does he want a salad roll? And yeah. he ended up empty handed. There wasn't. There wasn't he, did, he didn't even take one when he went out. Like, <laughs> we were just saying on the video, we said Callahan's new drive, Callahan's butchers and Ellie new drive in after our service. And after our self-service that's what we put up in the video and then we ran a commentary on it and I've been told uh, there might be some more footage to emerge is there? oh there would yeah 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 we have them inside here we'd have to have a so ha- put a little storyline to that well if you, if you hold on for one second Peter we're going to play some of the commentary that you've oh, provided on Facebook <laughs> this is your Jimmy McGee moment Peter ok thanks jeez I'm starving I wonder if Callaghan's open jeez it looks second closed hold on a second I believe they have a new drive-in self-service butchers in Delhi. Shall I give it a go? Wait, have a look. Just the door might be open. I'll give it a push. No, it could be the weather could be bad now. I'm not going to hurt the cow. I'll just give it a wee push now with the cow. Yep, we go on the footpath. Yep, now just give it a wee nudge there. The door straight. This won't open at all. Fucking starving as I am. Well, I'll just give it another wee push there now. Right, just ease in off the clutch. Love. No, no, no go yet. No, nothing's happening here. Mind the wheelchair spot, Jesus, you don't want to be done for that. <laughs> now, Peter, this is obviously uh, accompanying the footage of said uh, intruder trying to break into your premises by reversing what looks like a small white van. Uh, and as you say, you've more footage. So we can expect a little series of this, can we, on Facebook? Oh, we go for the full, we go for Netflix, see what they can do, you know. <laughs> and what, what reaction have you had so far, Peter, from people? Well, what reaction? I suppose we've had nearly well over 30,000 views on our Facebook page. We've had about over 40,000 engagements, that's people have seen it, you know. Um, we've had something like 600 comments, because we're running a competition mm. for to win a voucher, whoever can put the best comment, you know, and people have been, he did a U-turn, as in a sheep <laughs> U, and geez, he made a pig's head of that, and there's, there's one fellow even wrote a song, you really? know. He went for a steak, do-do-do-do-do-do, and <laughs> with 20 lines in it, so. So, so there's great and, and comments coming up so we, 
we're not running to the phone the whole time, so we just check the comments uh, every and you're going time or and I presume you'll keep that running now as as new footage emerges from this attempted break. Yeah, like exactly. Like one of the girls here said, "Geez, uh, this is great!" Like uh, I reckon we're going to get loads. We're going to go viral on this. So <laughs> she was taking, she was running the book here on Saturday uh, to see who could come in and nearest many views it's going to get. So one said we get forty thousand, so that's gone. Somebody said we get sixty. Someone said we might get a hundred thousand. So. What's your Facebook address so people can have a look? Oh, just Callahan's Butchers RD. Yeah. Callahan's Butchers and Delhi RD. Now, I know yeah. this isn't going to do the business any harm and all the exposure, but... Oh, no, I'm taking a leaf we... out of Michael Leary's book here. You have to turn <laughs> a negative into a positive. Absolutely. Have we, have we any information on who this gentleman was? Uh, he's not local. I think the car was taken in Navin and uh, it was found in Dalik. And he tried to do a few plates in Dalik. He was a one-man one man operation, which is very unusual. Mm. And, you know... Um, that's how far he's got anyway well I'm sure his infamy will, will precede him uh, wherever he goes next but we thank you for your time this afternoon Not Peter and Thanks if Peter wants to have a look Callahan's Butchers in RD they'll find you on Facebook yeah yeah we're that good even the criminals want us and there's more to come oh there is yeah we'll put another bit up when that starts to die a bit we'll we'll, we'll lift it as I say we, when your product starts to die a bit you bring, it, bring, in, bring in a new one yeah, <laughs> we'll look, it again. we look forward to that Peter thank yeah. you so much for your no time problem. this thank afternoon that's Peter no Callahan there from Callahan's Butchers in RD and as we said if you want to have a good laugh go on to Facebook and you'll see the uh, various attempts there by the guy who breaks in and the expert Jimmy McGee style commentary with a little bit of colourful language added from Peter we're going to be back talking Fela after this with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. something happens and of course the hothouse flowers bring us all the way back to the summer of 1990 and Fela, the first trip to tip down at Semple Stadium in Thurles. Semple Stadium will rock again this year because the Fela classical lineup is coming our way. The RTE Chamber Orchestra will play with the likes of the stunning, the hothouse flowers, the emotional fish, something happens, Frank and Walters and the great four of us from just up the road from us here in Newry. I'm delighted to say that Brendan Murphy, a failure survivor with the four of us from the very first year back in 1990, is on the line. And I'm joined in studio by our very own Adrian Taff, survivor, Adrian, of three failures, I believe. That's right. I'd say people are probably asking, why is he uh, on talking about failure? Because I'm a survivor, that's why. That's story. I think that's that story enough for anybody to be uh, on the radio. Um, yeah, uh, like great days, a rite of passage. People talk about it as being a rite of passage in the same way as electric. Without giving now. away your age, roughly 
roughly 18. 18 <laughs> roughly. Yeah. And I was amazed my mother let me go, might, might I just say as well. She's probably listening this afternoon. <laughs> I was amazed. I don't know what lies I told. Because this was 1990. This is a long time ago. That's right. Different a, Ireland. A very different Ireland. And no one could have foreseen what failure was going to be in terms of the environment you were going to spend your three or four days down in Thurles and it was like a scene from The Walking Dead uh, I, I saw at the weekend there that uh, Tom Dunn described it as a Gale talked holiday gone horribly wrong <laughs> and I think that's a very good description of it to be perfectly honest with you because know? there was no Bannon Tees around the place was there? No there certainly wasn't no one, there was no one talking Irish there was so, certainly some language but not Irish Brendan Murphy good afternoon to you afternoon I like the way you survivor there that's that's what, it's quite apt, isn't it? I don't know if it is. Is it a survivor? <laughs> what, what I mean is that you, you mean just that you got through the carnage of the uh, mayhem that that happened, and, and he's sti- and he's still here to talk about it all those years later, Brendan. That's oh, quite. Yeah. That oh, is quite. Yeah. Quite the well, achievement. I, mean, I, I met. Uh, we 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 were uh, in the uh, in Limerick uh, yesterday rehearsing with um, the Irish Orchestra, and uh, you know I bumped into a few emotional fish, and I bumped into. Uh, Steve and Joe from the stunning. So and everybody's, I said, you know, everybody's just going to be looking to see how we've all aged. <laughs> you know, we're sort of going, you know, because it's going to, there's going to be two big screens up there, so it's going to be pretty unforgiving, you know. So all the wrinkles will be available for oh, sure. Oh, I they? tell you, yeah, exactly, yeah. Bring us back to 1990 yourself, Brenda. Your own, your own memories, particularly of the very first failure, because I mean, it went on in, in Semple Stadium for three years, but the very first one. Well, I think you know what I think. The first one is 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 really the the one that everybody has the fondest memories of, you know, because it really was a first. It was this, you know, really put MCD on the map as uh, promoters. They, they took the, the the big risk with it. Now, and never before, to my knowledge, had there been that, you know, amount of um, Irish bands on the... Yeah, because we, we, we'd had the likes of Slane, which were one-off concerts. We had Liston yeah. Varna, where they built special runways for Jackson Brown, etc., as the song goes. But... This was unique. I mean, the first year was basically Ireland, a little bit of Scotland, and Meatloaf. That's right, and, and they put Meatloaf on on the Friday, as far as I remember. So the big night was was the, was the Saturday, and it was all Irish. I mean, mm. it was us. Uh, something happened. Um, uh, the Hot House Flowers. You know, I mean, just a series, and uh, it's just a series of of bands. The Soul Doctors as well. I think that you know, it's one thing putting uh, a show on with Irish bands, but it's another one expecting 30,000 people to turn up to it. And that's really, I think, what, uh, you know, sort of surprised everybody, that 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 uh, a festival with homegrown acts could uh, could really sort of have that amount of uh, interest, you know. Uh, and it was the youth, it was just the youth of Ireland. You know, it really was. I mean, the Pope's visit, the first Pope's visit, the one that I remember, had nothing on the sale, really, you know what <laughs> It was the same sort of thing, except a lot more, a bit more debauchery was going on, let us say. Now, Adrian, allow for the fact that your mother may well be listening. Mm. Uh, it was a rite of passage, wasn't it? We, we won't talk too much about the debauchery, but in terms of access to alcohol, all these sort of things, this this was a coming-of-age weekend for so many kids. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I wasn't a drinker at the time, but like I do know that lads in my town, uh, like some of the lads... Uh, Kevin O'Reilly, Colin McKenna, Mark Black, Barry Callan, the lads I went with, but certain members of uh, of the of that crew were uh, 
with their crunching up conflicts in the morning, they had cider instead of milk. Like that gives you an idea of how the day started at Fela, and it continued in a similar vein for a lot of people as well. You know, but uh, I, I'll never forget that tent we were in. Actually, it was a fabric tent. None of this space age material that you get on tents nowadays. But it was some sort of a fabric, and it was held together by duct tape, fertilizer bags, and beer stains. I think actually the beer stains were part of what they kept, I, it, kept together. it together. Yeah, it wasn't stuck together with God's glue. You see, there, there's a Very reference. Good. You see, can, I, can I just say, just uh, picking up on something that Brendan said. And that is that it was pretty much all Irish acts mm. in that first year. And But I don't know if Brendan would agree, but it was a unique time for Irish music. There were so many really huge Irish acts, like the four of us and Something Happens World, almost the Beatles and the Stones in mm. Ireland at the time. There was huge following for all those acts. You, it might, I know you have the Coronas and Codaline and all that nowadays too, but um, it's, it, just Indigenous Irish acts, it was something, it probably couldn't be done now, you know? Brendan, can I ask you, there was a very famous guitar player sitting on the side of the stage when you were playing. Yeah, well, I remember turning around at the was because it was it was I think uh, there was a problem with my guitar. I turned around looking for the roadie, and uh, you know at the side of the stage it was a big stage. Looking around, I looked around and I thought, uh, and it was the edge that was looking back at me. <laughs> and I think that I actually had to say, look, get to the edge, look, get in touch with the roadie because he wasn't looking. Um, that's how good he was. And uh, so the edge had to tap him on the shoulder and say, look. No, there's a problem, but I mean, it was you had, you know, you had members of U two down at that at that first fail. You had at back at the hotel. I remember uh, guys out of Clan had, had turned up. But a lot of people just turned up to see that weren't even involved. Uh, just t- turned up to see what all the fuss was about. I mean, it really was, uh, and you know, uh, uh, Adrian's right. Really, the the. the it was at a time when you really only had a few stations, you know, uh, radio stations mm. and a few TV stations. So, and as he said, the artists have come out now. The world is, is a different place. Uh, there's a lot more channels of communication. But back then, really, there was only a few. So, you know, you, you could really, you were able to actually dominate uh, radio and TV back then in a way that's impossible now. So as a result you were able to really just have an effect you know your music spread in a more how should I say just uh, it, it just it, it was everywhere you know it was word of mouth as much in those days as well wasn't it I mean people knew who the good bands were and I'm just looking at the Saturday lineup that year Hothouse Flowers The Four of Us Something Happens Moving Hearts That Petrol Emotion Maria McKee The Black Velvet Band and The Stunning even today that is some lineup. absolutely and uh, you know I mean I remember for me, uh, uh, just to even to be on the same stage as uh, Moving Hearts, um, you know, who were on in the middle of the day, and I remember saying the paper there's honour for for me to appear on a stage with that with that particular band. And Noel Eccles is the percussion was the percussion player for uh, Moving Hearts back then, and he is the percussion player for the Irish uh, orchestra uh, today. So I mean, yesterday we were. I walked in. He was the first guy I saw, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it, there's a, there's also I think a lot of it's a bit of a school reunion for the acts in a weird sort of a way. You know, you're bumping into people that you haven't seen. Like certainly, I see Joe and Steve quite a lot, mm. um, but but guys out of emotional flesh, I haven't seen apart from Jerry. I haven't seen the rest of, of that band in. 25 years, you know. You had a couple of interesting journeys back from failure where your van was used for other purposes, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, that was the... I mean, that first failure... I mean, 
Tom Dunn said it very well, actually, in an interview there, I think, uh, on Saturday in the Indo, where he was going, you know, to be young in Ireland, but to be young and in a band in Ireland back in the 80s, but to be young and in a band and headline that Fela um, back at that time, that really was, it sort of, that was sort of the stuff of dreams. And, uh, you know, so we had come from that experience on the first Fela in 1990. Uh, and we were literally, the next day we, we got a, we had a bus that was just for us out of the TV in it, very ahead of its time. It wasn't for the gear. It was literally just to take the band um, around the place and uh, it would take us back home to the north. And on the old Dublin to Belfast road, uh, uh, just at the border, there's a petrol station on the old on the old mm. uh, Dock Road. And um, we were, we pulled in to get some petrol. And next thing you know, uh, this car just did a 360 turn. Guys in balaclavas got out with uh, submachine guns and came over to the van and told everybody to get out. Uh, that they were, I think it was, as far as I remember, I think they said they were the IRA. And, and uh, well, anyway, they needed a vehicle that was big enough to block the road. And, um, you, and you guys had it. Tell we us, had the car, yeah. Tell us finally, Brendan, the Evian Water story, please. Oh yeah, well this was uh, this is the following year actually. We we were on, uh, we were on, and I remember Christy Moore was on before us, and I, I knew Christy Moore was pretty, you know, I knew of him, but I didn't realise what a what a fantastic live performer he was. So he was walking up, and it was it was a bucket out of the heavens. So Christy walks up onto the stage, and I'm going, that poor lad, he's got to entertain thirty thousand people while they're being drenched, and uh, he opened up with listing Varna, place erupted. And instead of feeling sorry for him, I started feeling sorry for us because we were on after him. <laughs> and uh, so when we came on, I was trying to think, how the hell am I going to top that? So as it, as it was still bucketing, the, the weather was still terrible. And I remember saying to the crowd, look, it's not fair that you guys are getting soaking wet and we're, we're covered. So I took two bottles, of two litre bottles of Evian water and that were sitting, that were me for drinking. And these are big... These are the big ones. They don't know uh, Yeah, and uh, I, I, uh, I hadn't known. I didn't know at the time, but they'd been taken out from one of those sort of uh, big sort of canisters that full of ice. And I said, uh, you know, I'm in in, uh, in solidarity, I'm going to get a bit wet myself. So I poured both of them over my head, uh, not really connecting, you know, the electricity water. <laughs> I woke you up very quickly. No, but, but everybody else did. Everybody else was running for cover anywhere, <laughs> anywhere near me. And, uh, and, and, and then basically the stage became a skating rink and extreme. I don't know if you remember them more than words. Uh, that American band, mm. who were actually a bit, a bit of a hard rocking band, really. They, they were on after us. And uh, the guy launched into a run before he even sang a word. And off he went. He hit, off he went. Off he, I, I think I, I don't think I think he broke. A, he, he certainly sprained something anyway. So Brendan, yeah, I mean, I could I could talk to you all day about stories regarding Fela. Brendan, we look forward to seeing you at Fela Classical again. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Brendan Murphy. There from the four of us. One quick word and in one word, will you go again, Adrian? I'm going. You're going. <laughs> Excellent. We uh, we look forward to talking to you about that. We'll be back after the news and this ad break. The Late Lunch with Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. 
And you're very welcome back to The Late Lunch with me, Carl Dervin and Sinead Brazel. We're here with you until 3.30 this afternoon. As you heard before the break, we were talking to Adrian Taff and to Brendan Murphy from the four of us about the Fela back in 1990 and the return of Fela Classical this year, Fela 2018. Irish Chamber Orchestra will be playing with various bands, including the Stunning and the four of us. And would you believe the first day sold out in 90 seconds? So they've added a second date to Fela Classical at Semple Stadium in Thurles. My next guest is a man who knows all about great sporting stadiums, not perhaps Semple Stadium down in Thurles for hurling or Gaelic football but former rugby player Shane Monaghan joins us in studio to discuss Limor Limor or Limor? Limor Limor so yeah. we get we get that one right straight away <laughs> Shane man. you're a Mornington man first of all that's correct so yeah. you're on home turf today I am indeed yeah and very home I went to school just across the road in St Oliver's Community College so it's been a while since I've been mm. back up here but it's it's great to be back and thanks for having me in the studio you're more than welcome we're going to talk in a, in a minute about your success in business and this is a local success story and it's only going to get bigger and bigger but I wanted to bring you back to rugby because you have quite a story you started rugby in Boyne that's correct. Well, originally Drogheda. Drogheda. Drogheda RFC before they amalgamated mm. with uh, Delvin. Played my underage. Uh, played with a bit of football back in the day with Drogheda Boys and then went back to, to Boyne RFC and worked my way up the ranks there until I... What was it about rugby than, other than any other sport um, that was special for you? Well, it was, I suppose, my dad played it before me. He's the one who brought me down when I was five or six to the club and introduced me to it. Um, I loved the... I suppose the team aspect, the physicality. Um, I don't know. I played all sports. You know, I played Gaelic. I played soccer. I played Gaelic right up until I was eighteen as well, mm. which I loved, and they complemented each other mm. really, really well. And um, I think that's a big reason why I developed so well as a rugby player was because of the, the GAA influence as well. But um, I think, um, yeah, definitely the physicality of it. I, I really, really enjoyed that. That part of my game was the best part of my game was carry ball carrying. I really enjoyed that, but. Um, Everything that goes with most team sports is 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 the camaraderie you get from it, but you learn a lot of lessons that you don't necessarily get in other team sports mm. with rugby because of that. So um, I'm sure you're only realising now that, that these were important. You mightn't thought it at the time. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, and and it's something that definitely lends itself uh, to what I'm doing now mm. uh, in the, in the business world, and and it is actually that network of of friends. Um, and teammates that you've made over the years and people you may never have played with uh, in the business world are all in the rugby and they understand so you're on the same mental wavelength which is, which is great you know? Now going back to the age of 12 and, and at this stage you're, you're playing rugby you're playing a little bit I think there was only a little bit of rugby in school at that stage you, you were but was Boyne gone by the time you were 12? Uh, it was yeah, yeah that's when I made my return from yeah. Drogheda Boys yeah. Yeah. So at the age of 12 you had a very clear goal in your mind as to what you wanted to do with rugby Yes, and there's there's one thing we have proof of it. The Ollies, St. Oliver's across the way were brilliant. They they had a thing when you were, came into first year. They recorded a video with every new student or pupil and asked them what you want to be when you well. grow up. And then at the end of uh, your time, so they, they play it back. And, play it back. Um, I had a very clear vision in my mind. I was going to be one of two things. One was a professional rugby player or join the army. Hmm. And... Um, I ended up being a professional rugby player and I, I was very lucky to have that because I think that's an issue sometimes with a lot of young people today they don't really have too much choice mm. so they don't know what they want to be and it and can I can go from when they're in secondary to, to when they're in college and they still don't know what they want to do so no I was very lucky to and it certainly helps you achieve what you want to do so that clarity was there from the very off that you, yeah, this massive, is what you wanted yeah. and, and in those days professional rugby correct me if I'm wrong I'm just thinking back but it, 
it was just getting possible to have a career then, wasn't it? I mean, it was only just probably very early in the professional era. Yeah, very early, definitely. Um, like at the time when I was in Boyne, Leinster were whipping boys mm. in, in the league you know you'd be watching them in Shamrock Lodge and after training on a Friday night in the Celtic League as it was known and they'd be getting beaten by 20 or 30 points and to say that now for modern Leinster fans who never saw that they wouldn't believe you mm. you know but it was the truth and um, even the facilities and you know where Leinster is now compared to where it was when, when I started in a sub-academy completely different and as you said it was it was only the beginning and I don't want to say it was easier, but there was less people doing it. You know, it's the the competition um, to become a professional rugby player now is getting higher and higher and higher and higher, and the standard and in Ireland especially because we're I think so we're successful. number two in the world now. Yeah. You know, but it's brilliant for the sport and it ties into the the, the IRFU were very very smart in their policy in terms of um, having players you had to play in Ireland in order to uh, play for Ireland and uh, yeah At what stage did the academy then come knocking on your door do you remember how that came about and Yeah it's it started so they, they, they the Leinster the, the Leinster Rugby Union that they keep an eye on you um, school level and there's different camps summer camps and that kind of and they were all because it was a small it's a small community so the coaches who coach in the camps would be the same guys involved in Leinster and they spot talent and I think from the age of 13 or 14 I was going up to summer camps which were organised by Leinster in Old Belvedere and and then it would, for me that was my schedule every so, summer. So the pathway was the pathway was, was there, form. yeah, definitely. And and you build a good relationship with other players and and the coaches the whole way up. And then you get into your representative work. And I don't know if it's still the same now, but when I was there, you'd have like we were in North Leinster. You you have to do your trials for North Leinster. You make North Leinster and then full Leinster, Leinster and, and, and Ireland and so on. So you become you become the full time professional rugby player. You become a full time, yeah. Other than school, like well, the first, the first stage for me. So when I left um, secondary, and I stopped playing all other sports, I you know made the decision and it was going to be full time rugby. I was in the Leinster Sub Academy, which is more or less full time mm. outside of college, but you don't get paid. So I did that for two years. And what were you studying in college? Uh, I did product design in DIT, which lends itself very well to what I'm doing now. Which uh, yeah, it was a tough degree. It was a full engineering level eight honors degree. So it was it was a balancing act. And this is this is a thing I mentioned to you beforehand. We we have the uh, RPI Rugby Players of Ireland and also the RPA Rugby Players Association, which is the player welfare unions. And they're, they have a massive emphasis on you need to have something outside mm. rugby because your career could be as, as you all know as you as I do yeah mm. and so th- I always had that in the back of my mind as much as my hundred percent focus was I I'm going to be a professional rugby player I knew it didn't last forever and mm. could be over at any time and they're not like the soccer players where you get one contract in the Premier League and you're made for life no That's very much so yeah and and uh, and and it is a difficult thing um, to focus one you have because. To be a successful professional athlete, you have to focus 100% on it. Um, but then you have to try and focus on something outside that needs 100% focus mm. to be successful at it. So it definitely is a balancing act and a very difficult thing to do. Um, but, you know, with the support of the, the, the unions in general and, and definitely the RPA and the RPI um, cer- certainly help you do that. I'm looking at your rugby career because by 2007 you're on an Ireland under-20 team that wins the Grand Slam. I mean, this is Eric Elwood was the coach. Some of the names I'm looking at, Keith Earls, Felix Jones, Darren Cave, Ian Keekley, Keen Ealy, Sean O'Brien, Tommy O'Donnell. These are guys, it's the last under-20 team to win the Grand Slam. These are guys who go on and play for Ireland. 
you're trying to get into a Leinster team and Michael Cheik is the coach and, and he's not a great guy for bringing kids through it has to be said bar the sort of the Luke Fitzgeralds and perhaps Sean O'Brien and that so you start to look elsewhere yeah um, this it's like anything in life it comes down to timing so um, when you're underage you know I was the number one choice for my position the whole way up uh, through every game in the 20s and then you get into senior and everyone else is as good as you and you're there but you're down the bottom of the ranks and like you said um, Michael Checa he wasn't a great man for uh, blooding new talent he was there for a reason you know he came in as you said when Leinster were whipping boys he changed the culture and did an amazing job um, and there was maybe three or four of the guys from the, the academy like Luke and Sean O'Brien and Keane Healy got through and um, like you say opportunity was very very slim I did very well, especially in my second year. I actually took a year out from college in my second year at the academy to focus on, and that was my best year in Leinster, but still it wasn't enough. And uh, I moved on. And the year, of course, I moved on, Joe Schmidt came in and blooded like 50 <laughs> new caps. So the timing is everything. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, so you ended up on, on, on a journey. I did, yeah. I, I ended up on a journey. I, I, I went over to the West for a season with, with, Connacht. Uh, with Connacht again, which... Um, which uh, at the time it was very disappointing but looking back was a brilliant thing to happen for me because you know the door was basically effectively closed mm. for me in Ireland and and uh, no room at the end situation uh, and I was I'll never forget I remember going to Blackrock I played with Blackrock College uh, in the AL at the time and I went back and this is this is a positive and a negative story. It's extremely positive because of how the rugby community looks after people and, and try and support them when they finish. And I was only 23, I think, and the lads there were asking, oh, so what are you going to do now? You're retired. I was 23. 23. And it's got a, a, you know, and I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I was determined, as I said, I'm not retired. And um, through the jigs and the reels, I, was f- find it, I found it very difficult to find a club at the time as well because, you know, I was let go from Connacht, who at the time were they're at the bottom of the league mm. that's changed now but it was it was difficult and there was one there was one man one guy Andre Besser who who gave me an opportunity as a South African coach he's uh, he's very influential uh, to me in my career um, he's a he's a two-sided coin you know he's he's one of the best um, scouts for talent I've, I've ever come across um, he, he rang me up he was in Rotherham at the time in, in Yorkshire in England and he said he said in his uh um, South African as- accent, you know, he's, you come over to me this time next year, you will be playing in the Premiership, and he was right. You got the Gloucester. I, I got the Gloucester within a season in Rotherham. I played twenty eight um, and they championship. Were second, division at the time second of, yeah, yeah, and and that's one. Of, that's a tough league. And I think Premiership teams see if you can make it in that league, you can make it mm. make it in your blooded really. And I said twenty twenty eight games in a row. I played more rugby in one season than I did in four years in Ireland. We're going to go to a break, and after the break, we're going to talk about your business. But just before we go to the break, tell me very quickly about the the pre season match when you got heat stroke, basically. Uh, Well, it was actually before that. Hmm. It was um, was, that was my second season in Gloucester um, pre season, and we were training with the SES. And we had this thing called Front Up Friday. You arrive three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, you don't know what you're doing. We ended up in a bus. We went up to, drove up to Yorkshire, four or five hour bus journey. Ended up training with the powers under the guide, paratroopers under the guidance of the SAS. Uh, hottest day of the year. And uh, ended up getting heat stroke, which, which was not great. Which led to me then, four weeks later, coming back far too early, really. Um, I, I found out later that it's actually six months before you're meant to be back. Yeah, and, and this was a serious dose of heat. Oh, I ten percent of people die of what I had. Uh, my body temp got up to forty two degrees, um, 
and I know you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's serious. Yeah, very very serious stuff. Like um, you get brain damage and organ failure at that. And uh, I came back, and that's like I said, I was back on a pitch against Toulon when they were the all stars. Mm. They were the like the uh, Harlem Globetrotters mm. um, in the south of France, and uh, basically. I, I tackled the guy, uh, you know, it was a winger, it was a kickoff, chased him, tackled him. And I, I just threw him on the ground like a bear hug, threw him on the ground and my shoulder just popped out because my nervous system was so ready. was so damaged. Wasn't it wasn't ready. firing, my, my joint just fell out of the socket, which obviously set me back in terms of um, injury and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, uh, what doesn't kill you man. makes you stronger. You You're know? a lucky man. Yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk business with Shane after this break. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our... The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. And you're very welcome back to The Late Lunch. Our studio guest this afternoon is Shane Monaghan from Mornington, rugby player, of course, as we were discussing before the break, a very traumatic experience when he was at Gloucester. And in some ways or in, in any way, Shane, did that sort of accelerate the end of your rugby career? Or um, No, it, it, it kind of it definitely set me back um, because, you know, the, my first season in Gloucester was the best season I had. It was my breakthrough year. I got a two-year contract extension after and almost, so that was almost got an Ireland call uh, I, I, yeah I was on the reserve I was in negotiations potentially to come home with Munster that year off the back of it and I, I, I decided to stay in Gloucester which I think may have obviously I wasn't at home so I couldn't mm. play for Ireland um, so it was a big sacrifice in itself so, but I was backing myself to have another strong two years in Gloucester and then potentially come home there and then did my shoulder in pre-season due to heat stroke and that set me back by three or four months maybe so you know, there's no, there's no waiting around. If you're injured, someone else steps mm-hmm. up. So it was a case of battling back in to, to the squad. And I finished very strongly. You know, I hit my goal that year was to actually play against Munster in the Heineken Cup in Kingsholme, which I got. I got back in time for that. So that was another goal that we were talking about earlier on. That was my goal and that was kind of my target when I was going through rehab to, to be fit for that. So I did take a box that season. So when did all the business uh, ideas come back into fruition? I actually... Um, in terms of this, you know, I've, I've told this story so many times over the last two years, uh, and I do call it a story and, and not a pitch. You know, in business terms, they call it "What's your pitch?" And it comes back to I came up with the idea in my last season in Gloucester. So we're going back to December 2014, mm. and uh, you know, as a rugby player, you get very little time off around that time of the year. But I hopped on a plane over to Dublin, back to Mornington. I was having a chat with my dad, um, my dad, Peter Mon, and he's involved in the Draw the City Status campaign, a voluntary group, and he was getting quite frustrated because voluntary group, do all this work, no one knows about it. So he would write letters to the newspaper, nine, nine, nine times out of ten, don't get published. When they do, they're gone after 24 hours, and that's why traditional media is losing the war against social and digital. So he said, Shane, is there anything I can do to let people know all the great work we're doing. I go, there is, Dad, you can make a podcast. And he goes, great, what's a podcast? <laughs> so I had to explain to him what it was, and for anyone who doesn't know, uh, in layman's terms, it's a homemade radio show. And he goes, Shane, that sounds brilliant. How do I do it? Mm. 
So I said, well, Dad, do it right. You need headphones, microphone, recording device, a some, laptop some sort or a of desktop. A studio or whatever the case may be. Editing software, mm. you know, web hosts. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Too much information, not interested. So he went from amazing idea to not interested in literally seconds. Mm. And that's when I got to see the, the idea. I said, gee, wouldn't it be great if there was an app for someone like my dad or anyone who wanted to create audio or traditional podcasts? Open up the app, say what you want to say, hit share, and you're done. So it removes those barriers to entry, and the term less is more came to mind. Hence, and, and hence, hence the name, Lemur, L-I-M-O-R, yes. Yeah, so, and I took that initial seed um, with me back to Gloucester, and, and, and I got into podcasts around 2012 because I paint as well. I paint portraits mm. of my fellow rugby players, get them to sign them, and, and then uh, they become sports memorabilia, and that, that's another a little gig I have on the side, on the business side of stuff as well, you know. And um, so anyway, I, I, I listened to podcasts while I painted. And that's the beauty of audio is you can multitask. Uh, whether you're painting, whether you're cooking, whether you're in the gym, in the driving car. Driving in the car. In driving the car, wherever. And uh, I, I didn't want to create an app like existing social media, uh, um, web hosts or where you, you consume um, podcast content like your iTunes or YouTube or web hosts. So I said, what's another way? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Way of getting access to hundreds of millions of people instantly for free is social media. So, if you could take the best aspects of social media and audio and traditional podcasting and put the two of them together, then you've got something. And that's exactly what I've done with Lemur. It's the next evolution of social media into voice. And uh, you said it, you, it, it does what Instagram has done for photographs. Oh, exactly. That's a very layman's. Uh, mm-hmm terms way of putting it basically yeah it what what instagram did for images lemur does for voice you can you can now instantly without needing all that equipment as i mentioned with my dad you can download the app for free you can record edit and share instantly from your phone any anywhere anytime and because it's in a social media community um you can instantly interact with your with your followers 
like even this example on on the radio how how do you instantly interact with your listeners it's difficult unless you go to other platforms with lemur you can instantly they can listen to you and they can speak to you and you can speak back to them so that's where the social audio aspect of and how has the market reacted to this because you, you you've just gone through a round of fundraising haven't you yes we have yeah so that um oversubscribed yeah we close around out of uh, five hundred thousand. Um, euros, which was which was fantastic, and have to remember this is pre-launch as well. Mm. So we we hadn't even launched at this stage. So the appetite is there because, um, in terms in the world at the moment, you know, if you're a, f- a fan of history, you would have heard of the industrial revolution. The same thing is happening now in technological terms in the world of voice and audio. Um, the 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 top boys, the big organisations, your Apple, your Google, your Amazon are spending billions on voice technology to try and figure out how they can dominate it because whoever dominates voice is the next Google or Apple and trying to find their niche and I've already got the answer when it comes to social. So I'm way ahead of the game when it comes to that and that's why we're getting so much interest in it and we've launched officially now so we are first movers when it comes to it too so all we need to do now is scale and it ties into a major advantage we have um, in comparison with the existing uh, social media that's there, you know, Twitter is text, Instagram is image, Snapchat, YouTube, video, Facebook, a little bit of everything. And WhatsApp, well, as we know from uh, the Stephen Ward story yeah, last week, oh, that's has, right, an audio, yeah. uh, has an audio element to it. Exactly, but all those ones, their, their foundation is mm. visual and tactile, mm. where that's secondary for me. My foundation is voice, and that ties into where technology is going, because you won't need your phone to use Lemur. You'll just need your your smart device in your home, so you could be cooking breakfast in the morning and go, Liam, play Conor McGregor's latest podcast, please. And you go, Hell yeah, can I hear? Mm. I you go, like, share, recast. I like good to accent, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, I've been practicing. <laughs> um, I'm actually we're, we're doing some work with Al Foran, who you may have heard of. Uh, he's a, he's a great impressionist. impressionist yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to trying to keep up with him. But um, you did an MMA fighting for a little bit. I know we're going slightly off track here. Oh yeah, that ties into it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I I did when I finished with Munster and. Uh, last World Cup so November 2015 mm. that's when I hung up the boots I didn't know at the time that was officially <laughs> when I'd be hanging up the boots but uh, I did uh, got into MMA I did a thing called Wimp to Warrior which um, you, you basically it's for people who have never done mixed martial arts at all you train for six months basically I, I did it as full time It was that was a detox for me from professional sport and then you have a fight in a cage at the end and there we go and, and on you go and, and, and it was you that, win? Of course, yeah. Oh, good. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to Lemur, so so then Conor McGregor can have his podcast and he, he can it's available instantly. Oh, that's it. See, like like in the same way he would use uh, Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook or that, it's instant. Hmm. Whereas if he were to set up a podcast tomorrow, it's not instant. You know, you have to sit down. He said, you have all you have your studio, you have your equipment, you have to find a guest, and and you have to edit. You have to with this, you sit down, you open, you speak, you share. And then if you are like Connor with his millions of followers, they can instantly listen and instantly interact with him. But as I said, where technology is going, he won't even need a phone in time. And and he'll be able to be in the car on the way to a training session, go Lemur record. How are you everyone? I'm going to training. I won't do that in case he's listening, he'll come after me. But um and share. So it it's um the major major advantage of voice is it saves you time. You know, you can speak, I think the stats is 140 words a minute versus write only 50. Mm. But when you speak, you get passion, emotion, context, and which you cannot get when you're it's writing. Life. It's, it's life. life. Mm. And so we, with Lemur, it, it, um, voice 
saves you time and with lemur also saves you time because it's just it's so much easier to use you know so anyone who's listening today how can they get involved in lemur how can they get involved well firstly if you have an iphone or an android and this is part of the reason why we only we only launched four weeks ago is because we had to get the android developed which is about 87 percent of the world market mm. if you have an iphone or an android you can download it for for free from google play or uh, the app store and and instantly you can follow other users on there. There's already some really interesting content on there and create your own content and interact. And if you want more information, you can also go to our website, www.lemur.ie. That's L-I-M-O-R dot I-E. And, and the great thing is, if you do um, have any questions, you can literally talk directly to me via the Lemur profile. Follow me, leave me a, a, a comment, and I'll get back to you straight away. So it must be a very proud moment for you now as you go forward with all of this. It, it is, yeah, definitely. It's but the the attitude I have is very similar to the sporting one in terms of like when you play rugby, you have a match every week. Mm. You play on a Saturday, you win on a Saturday, you enjoy it for that evening, and then you're preparing on Sunday for training on Monday for the next one. So it's those small little goals, which is a great lesson for me in the business world. I have the ultimate goal of where I want to go with Lemur, which is whether that's an international cap in rugby terms or a line store or whatever the carry-on is. But in order to get there... It sounds you, like a World Cup to me. W- World Cup, maybe. Yeah, yeah even better. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the World Cup, which yeah. in order to get to the World Cup, you have to... You know, you have your stages, and with mm. Lemur, I have our little stages, and you, you achieve each little one and gets you closer to that end goal. And, and you know, that's nothing new. I'm not, I'm not spouting any any uh, unique insight, but it, it, it definitely is um, an attitude that I have because of my rugby career and the high performance um, situation I found myself in in rugby and the high high pressure situations. Um, I, I, I find the, the entrepreneurial lifestyle is, is very similar and it's brilliant and ironically less pressure because it's, it's, it's on my shoulders I feel rather than you know and I don't have I do have a team now we've got Connor Heavey he's, he's one of the first guys the Lemur yeah. he's in, in with us and we're building a team there as well but it's um, I, I'll give you one example um, of, of a guy I met in London very successful podcaster he's built a brilliant business and I just really finished uh, the rugby and started the Lemur journey and, and he turns around to me and he goes uh, I'd say this entrepreneurial thing is one of the hardest things you've ever done mm. is that right? and I was like no and he was shocked he says what do you mean? I said well it's not life or death mm. I almost died a few months ago <laughs> running up the side of a hill yeah. this is a lot easier yeah. and this is a lot more fun so um, it's a remarkable journey it's a remarkable story we thank you so much for coming into us today I know it brought back many memories of school across the road etc making that journey in from Arlington I'm sure but Lemur is is the app and uh, website Uh, Lemur.ie it's L-I-M-O-R dot I-E less is more Shane Lannan thank you so much for your time we'll be back after the break pleasure The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. You often listen to your head. And you're very welcome back to The Late Lunch with me, Cahill Dervin and Sinead Brazel. We're here with you till 3.30 this afternoon. 086-1800-658 is our text number. 086-1800-658 is also our WhatsApp number. We're on Twitter at LMFM Radio and you can give Breeze a ring on 1850-715-958. If you were at Fela, if you heard our conversation earlier with Brendan Murphy from the four of us and Adrian Taff of this parish, we would be delighted to hear your Fela stories. And if you have any stories you'd like to tell us about having your serial 
with cider instead of milk, as we heard from Adrian earlier on. Uh, we'd be delighted to share them with our listeners over the course of the week. And one of our next guests is already turning her nose up at the idea of cereal with cider. Our next guest, I'm delighted to say, we're joined in studio by Linda Ennis, who's the network manager with the Drogheda Chamber, by our sorry, with M1, M1 skill set. M1 skill net. Skill net, to be exactly correct. Irene McKeown, who is the office manager with Drogheda Chamber. Thank you. You're very welcome. And by Shona McManus, who is the CEO of Osborne Recruitment and the President of Drogheda Chamber. And they're all in studio with us today to discuss the M1 Leadership and Skills Summit is building a sustainable regional economy in the North East. This summit will be held on Thursday with registration at 8.30am and the summit from 9 to 1 in the Somerville Suite at the City North Hotel. Shona, good afternoon to you to begin. Hiya, Colin. How Just, are you? I'm very thank good, you thank you. Thank you for having um, us here today. Breakfast cereal with cider. It doesn't really... No, no it doesn't. Um, <laughs> Maybe with Prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, well, you see, that'll, that'll, sure be, that'll, be the, uh, that'll be the electric picnic version. Yeah. Of, uh, but Ireland has come on a long way since Vela back in 1990. <laughs> Tell us, first of all, Shona, M1 Leadership and Skills Summit, yeah. the concept. Right. Well, the concept initiated from, I suppose, the Skillnet Steering Group, um, which I'm also part of. Um, and the idea was to bring a lot of people from the local area business community, from um, education sector and from local politi- uh, the, po- the politicians, etc., that sector, to come together to talk about the skills, the current skills required in the area and the skills of the future for the area. Um, and coming at it from all different angles. So from a business today, education today, and then what we need again for the future. So that's where the idea came from um, and we decided then as a steering group within the skill net which is led by Linda in, back in the office as you said Carl, that we would pull together a group of people who have experience in this area and who are there's a lot of people who are researching and pulling together statistics within this area as well to get everyone together and share that knowledge so that we all have a joined up approach and we all know exactly where we're at right now and where we need to go for the future and it's a conversation. And, and the future is very important because if we look at the development in the whole Northeast area, number one, but yeah. particularly Drogheda, for example, is, I think I was on the Michael Reed show a couple of weeks ago, 5,000 homes being built north of the river at this moment in time, yeah. never mind going forward. Yeah. So for you, Linda, th- the future is very important in this. It's so important and it's it's about the North East as a region, but it's about keeping the talent that we have here. It's stopping people commuting into Dublin when we have fantastic jobs locally, making sure that they're in the right companies, that they want to stay in those companies. So this summit is really looking at what are the future developments, what businesses will be here, what opportunities are for the workers to stay here. And then, of course, about the companies and leadership. This is the most important thing. It's leading in the right way to make sure that we actually motivate people, that they want to stay in these companies. So we have a very good speaker on the day, Jerry Duffy. He's a professional speaker and author. Mm-hmm. And he's actually going to be looking. He's gone and visited companies who are getting their culture so right that people are fighting to get into work for these companies. So he's going to speak about those experiences and share them with other leaders. Now, Irene, can I ask you, I mean, as being involved with Draw the Chamber and, and as Linda and, and Sean have both said, there is huge opportunity within the area and there's a huge talent pool within the area. Yes, there is actually. And we have an awful lot of businesses um, that are out there and we're trying to encourage them for SkillsNet to um, educate them, give them opportunities, as, as Linda has said. And um, it's all new to the Chamber and it has been really fantastic for us to have this opportunity that we can offer to all the businesses out there that need education, want to expand their business, want to educate their people. And 
people, you know, once they have that education, they can do so much with it or branch out and do other things. And it's all business and it's all developing the business culture in the in the district. And this is very much from what all three of you are saying, but Irene, it's very much a two-way street and that it's for, it's for employers and employees. Exactly, it is. It's for both. Shona, in terms of you, you've been involved in recruitment, uh, I'm sure, for, for many years for at this stage. <laughs> what do you see as the biggest challenges f- for people moving into the area, number one, who are looking for employment within this region? I think it's having the right jobs for people locally. So we need to have an agenda that's all around job creation um, and that it's with companies that can sustain these these types of skill sets and the people and the lifestyles that they want to have with this skill set. So we've got some wonderful local companies from multinationals and um, the likes of the Coca-Colas, the Appstones, through to Nature's Best. That's an Irish indigenous company that's set up here. Um, East Coast Bakehouse is another new company down here. So fantastic. new. Um, uh, there's so many out there can't list them all right now, right through to your high potential startup companies that might sit in the Mill Enterprise Centre, for example. We've got companies there like Nebula. Um, I know IT Governance have started down there. So it's attracting more companies like these. And it's also people having the courage now to go out and start up new companies that have a business idea. If we get more businesses down here of that ink, ilk, and then we can start to attract people with the skill set to stay locally and work locally. So I think that's the biggest thing. We have to have the right types of jobs for people. There's loads of jobs in the local area. There's also a skills shortage on the other hand. So I think it's getting both enough jobs and enough people and matching them all together effectively which is effectively what recruitment is and what we do in recruitment consultancy side of things. Um, But certainly we do need a lot more jobs down here. That conversation really needs to um, get stronger. I know that there is a refocus on the regional um, jobs jobs for growth etc. now as well at the minute. So um, yeah, so I think that's it's a, a good mix of having the right companies locally for people and then having the right skill sets. With regard to the right skill sets, I think then there's an agenda in terms of identi- identifying what those skills are for the future now so that we can start to educate and train people mm. so that we are ready for the future. Because there are jobs today that weren't there two years ago um, and four years ago there were jobs that we couldn't find people for that are no longer required anymore, you know, so it's changing very quick. Linda, it seems, it seems that this, and to use Shona's uh, expression it needs joined up thinking but it's a very broad join up you need to do because you, you've got to have government, you've got to have education you've got to have employers, and you've got to have employees it's a very broad canvas you're working off yeah, we, I mean, we are, and this is why even what we're trying to do, and we've been having many meetings and many discussions with the different enterprises between the Mead Enterprise, the Loud Enterprise, we have been talking to all the chambers, they've been very supportive with us, Dundalk Chamber, Fingal Chamber, Mead Chamber, they've been promoting this, so we're trying to come together as a region, because if we're so strong and we listen to each other, then we can actually share the knowledge. So, like, at the summit we have um, Thomas McAvoy, he's from uh, Leo, and he's going to be speaking about the benefits of the M1 corridor. We're going to have Paul Healy from Skillnet Ireland. So Skillnet is fantastic because when we're talking about these skill shortages, it's Skillnet that is looking at what are the future skills and, you know, they're asking us to look and see is there a need for training courses that we need to develop to help industries mm. in the area. Mm. So, you know, if, if there's companies out there and they have a training need and they think there isn't the people out there Put your hand talk up and tell, to us tell and we you. can, yeah, we can actually look. We're talking to DKIT at the minute about working and developing programmes and we work with Diffie as well. So, you know, it's, it's loads all about collaboration, which mm. is really exciting. We're going to come back to all of this after this quick break. 
Ash with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. And you're very welcome back to the Jerry Kelly Show with me, Carl Dervin. I'm joined in the studio by three wonderful people from the Drogheda Chamber, uh, etc., who are here to discuss the M1 Leadership and Skills Summit, which is on Thursday in the Somerville Suite in the City North Hotel. And Linda Ennis, Network Manager with the Drogheda Chamber, exactly who is going to be speaking and what topics are we going to be looking at? Okay, so basically the topics we're looking at is going to be business in the northeast and, of course, along the M1 corridor the future skill needs for this area and really the power of impactful leadership and what that means. The keynote speakers are Paul Healy, who's, got, who's the CEO from Skillnet Ireland. Uh, we'll have Shona McManus, our president from the Doherty Chamber. Jerry Duffy, who's a professional speaker. He's also very well known for doing 32 marathons in 32 He's days. He's a very motivational, very good motivational yeah. speaker. I've heard him talk yeah. and, and, you know... Really looking and, forward And I know to the old Jerry yeah. and the new Jerry and what that man has done with his life is quite inspiring. Because I believe he went from couch potato and 40 cigarettes a day Absolutely. to, yeah, he's turned his life around. So he's going to be with us. Um, we'll have Thomas McAvoy, who's the head enterprise in, um, local, in Leo. And then we're going to have a fabulous panel discussion. So we're going to have a group of experts that are going to talk about the Northeast being the right location with the right skills. And the people who will be discussing on the panel are Pete Rowan from Yapstone. Uh, we have Michael O'Dowd, Regional Skills Forum. We've Roz O'Shockensey from BD Pharmaceutical, BD Medical, and Brian Drain from DAA in Dublin Airport, and Dr. Michael Mulvey from DKIT. So we've quite a line of speakers, yeah. And Sean, I think you're going to chair that debate, aren't you? I am indeed. What sort of questions do you expect to come from the floor? I think maybe questions such as what do we think the skills are for the future because it is a bit it's a bit grey I mean mm. it's, it's it's as we said already the, the jobs we had two years ago are totally different now today and early in some cases so how can you possibly start to foresee for the future in the next two years but we need to we do need to start more of a conversation on that I'd expect that type of question I think there'll be questions around what is the right type of leadership to develop skill sets how do you develop current skill sets to get them ready for the future as well uh, what's the right type of leadership skills, what do employees want and what do they expect as well, you know? Because you are going to need people to change their own set of skills. Employees are going to have to say, I I can do X today, but I'm going to have to look at doing Y tomorrow. That's it. And, you know, that's exactly the point. And I I was in the studio a couple of weeks ago with Jerry, and he asked me if there was one thing that I could change at a political level or government level, what would it be? And for me, it genuinely would be that employers would have to train and upskill their employees on an ongoing basis. And, you know, that's exactly where the skill net comes into play as well, because the skill net is a government co-funded training um, program. training courses for employees and employers to actually um, participate in and and to harness I suppose to develop their skills and most training that's offered is 52% funded so a course that might usually cost 400 euro is 200 euro odd through the skill net you know so there are facilities there are supports there for people and for employers and employees to um, to gain access to it's just a matter of reaching out and having a conversation with Linda in the skill net it's there and it's very important and your door is open. 
Yeah, and there's, there's fantastic courses coming up. I mean, I get excited. We have, you know, Illuminate, which is a female entrepreneurial program. Next week, we have finance for non-finance managers. So you will need to know about accounts, credit control. We've got a fabulous speaker coming next week, actually, in the Art Centre. We have Noel Davison from the Entrepreneur Academy, and he's speaking about communication in business and how do we communicate. And that even carries into our personal life. So, so many great events coming up. So if you want to go on to um, M1 Skill, net.ie that's our website uh, you'll be able to see all of the lineup of speakers and courses that are coming up but also if you want to book for the summit on Thursday time is running out so people need to get their tickets quickly. so just to tell people that again very briefly Thursday sure. is all about so Thursday is all about the North East region and how we're going to work to make this the strongest region for everybody to stay in, work in, develop in and live in and don't commute anymore. And if people would like more information or tickets? Yeah, come to m1skillnet.ie or... you'll direct, and we you'll direct them from there. Yeah. Now, Irene McKeown from Drogheda Chamber. You have another story to tell us about the Drogheda Business Excellence Awards. Give us an idea of what's going on here. Yes, thank you, Cahill. Well, um, the... Drogheda Business Excellence Awards is now in its 14th year and it has been very successful over the years and this year is will be no exception, please God. We have uh, some new um, award categories opened up and um, the applications are now online on drogheda.chamber.com. You can download your application, submit it to the Drogheda Chamber, wait for the, the shortlist and then come to the ball and party. And uh, we've a lot of things going on. We've a couple of new um, awards. One is employee training and development. It's open to all sectors. Another one, which I hope will be um, people will grasp, which is the family business, family business of the year, which um, there are a lot of businesses out there that could really do something mm. with this. And we have the FLA Award being the year of the FLA in Drogheda. We have contribution to the FLA. So you need to download the application online, have a read, look at what's there or contact the Drogheda Chamber at 041 and we'll be happy to help you. But and there's a very special event tomorrow for anybody who would like more information on any of these 14 categories. There is exactly that. We have a workshop taking place up in the Drogheda Chamber tomorrow at 10am and anyone that would like some information, some tips and guides on how to fill out your application form, give us a call and come see. We're one of our top judges who will be there to help you, guide you, fill out this form and that's your start. And that's in the Chamber office which is on the Dublin Road. Opposite Lambia. Opposite exactly Lambia. So. How excited are you with the new additions this year? Oh, they're, they're good because we've tried to cover a lot of different aspects and have something for everybody. Mm. So this is what we've done this year. And um, if you get through to the finalists, we have a People's Choice Award. So you can encourage your friends and your colleagues customers. to go on and your customers to go online or vote for you. I'm looking at the, the programme of events and the, the key dates for the diary. So as you say, the workshop tomorrow, 10am in the Drogheda Chamber office on the Dublin Road. Entries close on Monday the 1st of October. Shortlist will be announced on the 24th. And then between the 29th and the 9th of November, Mystery Shopper will arrive at your business to test you out and you've no idea who this is. No, that's a kel surprise. Yes, you'll, um, there will be some retail um, awards. We have a few that will require a Mystery Shopper mm. like the Health, Hair and Beauty Award. They will be 
the applicants will be given dates to expect their mystery shopper will be over a period of two weeks they won't know when but they'll have an idea and uh, we'll go from there That'll make a great video in itself. Never mind. <laughs> and then the judges will interview on the 12th of November and the awards 24th of November. 24th of November in City North Hotel, a gala night, super night out. I'm reading here, it says, guests will get the star treatment with a red carpet arrival, enjoy a complimentary drinks reception before making their way to the awards ceremony, a lavish sit-down dinner and some live entertainment. That's correct. So that's that's the reward at the end of all this. But the biggest reward, of course, is to win one of the one of the Drogheda Business Excellence Awards. Yeah. Recognising your business, reward in excellence for your business and your customers and your employees. Give it a go. Shauna, on behalf of the Chamber, I mean, this has been a great year for Drada with the FLA. Absolutely. It's been a fantastic year so far. And it's not over yet. <laughs> As we get ready for the fly again next year. <laughs> well, it's all it's all all roads lead to the City North Hotel for those Draw the Business Excellent Awards on the twenty fourth of November. This Thursday in the same hotel is the M one Leadership and Skills Summit. My thanks to Irene, to Linda and to Shauna. We'll be back after this. Thanks. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used vehicles in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. You are most welcome back to The Late Lunch with me, Carl Dervin and Sinead Brazel. 086-1800-658. We're here with you till half three. And we will be back, of course, tomorrow from half one when our first guest in studio will be Oliver Callan, a man of many voices and a man of many talents. And we will, uh, no doubt, um, sort of encourage him to use some of those voices. You might hear me interviewing people other than Oliver Callan. Uh, I would particularly like to, to interview Eamon Dunphy because myself and Eamon have a checkered history and that might be quite useful to have Oliver uh, take off Eamon for me tomorrow. But should we wait and see on that one. Our next guest, I'm delighted to say he's a very patient man, he's been sitting outside waiting to come into the studio with us, is Paul O'Connor who is the chair of the judging panel in the Republic for the Irish Curry Awards which are going to take place in the Pila Hotel in Ashbourne on October the 23rd. Paul, you're most welcome to the programme first Thank of all. Thank you very much, Cahill. Thank nice you for your patience. Um, nice the Irish Curry Awards, third year of, of such awards, yep. gives a little bit of the history and, and how it came about. Sure, it was set up by Ali Asker and in, in from Belfast, and he contacted me via Twitter to um, say if I would get involved. So he came down to Dublin to meet me, and we had a chat. And I said, "Sure, we'll we'll give it a go and see what happens." And now we're in year three. The first two years, the awards were held in Belfast. This year, it's being held in the Pillow Hotel in Ashburn. So we're delighted to, for a change to have it down here in the Republic of Ireland. And um, so uh, Ali set it up, and initially the first year I had six weeks to organise it. This year I've had six months to organise slightly, the third slightly so easier <laughs> it is and we've judges in all 32 counties so there's awards for Ulster Munster Leinster Connacht and Dublin is separate to Leinster to give because it's Dublin is packed mm. with, with Indian and other Asian restaurants um it, it was given opportunity for the restaurants in in Leinster um, to, 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 to compete with them, you know. So, uh, so and, and the different categories include best restaurant, best chef, best young chef, um, which is a really interesting character uh, category because there's lots of new young chefs, Indian and other chefs, coming up, you know. So um, you also have the likes of uh, best newcomer, best front of house, best best South Asian restaurant, yeah. uh, and best takeaway, which Absolutely. a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with. That's very competitive. The South. <laughs> 
Patricia. <laughs> I can tell you the the, the um the takeaway is and, and the South Asian one was just introduced last year. Uh, so that's like Thai, Malaysian, mm. Indonesian and other restaurants that were interested in getting involved. So they got lots of nominations. The public nominate and then we said to send the judges out, we shortlisted and then the judges uh, go out to in each county go out and, and have a dinner in, in the restaurant and we had uh, we tried a chamber in a little bit earlier we were talking about their business excellence awards and how they will have surprise shoppers will turn up in, in various categories unannounced do your judges arrive unannounced oh yeah it's, an, it's a, a, they go there anonymously and it's not until the end um, that, that they, they identify they themselves them so, uh, so, so you're getting the full experience they, as a customer absolutely I, although know. personally I'm finding it going into year three I, my anonymity is then. gone <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, tell us your own background in food my own background in food so um, well actually my, my particular history personally um, was with my family my dad when we were uh, growing up as kids he was working very hard creating his business which started in Drogheda and um, what was that? it was a shoe uh, a shoe business called Matchwell uh, Manufacturing Shoes in Marsh Road Okay. so as a child I was um, dragged around um, <laughs> Drogheda on, on Saturdays and Sundays to get us out for my mum's hair so uh, but anyway to, to, to make up for all his, his hard work he used to bring us to restaurants and he had a particular love for, uh, for Indian and Pakistani Bangladeshi restaurants so well, as so kids there wouldn't be many of them in those days would there? there wasn't so that's how we got mm. known and, and the, that's why they all know all of my family mm. now in, in, in great detail and in fact I'll give you a funny story my, my um, eldest uh, eldest nephew Gavin when he was three days old um, my sister's baby and her husband collected her from Hollis Street Hospital and brought them straight to meet me my mum and dad in um, the Eastern Tandoori restaurant in, in South William Street so his first experience foray into the world was, was in an, an Indian, Indian restaurant, restaurant. <laughs> and he's, he's still going brilliant, brilliant. and in fact then as, as he grew old and then with the other kids in the family too um, they that used to be brought in they, but they were brought into the kitchens as well and they, they because the kids would be bored mm. you know and they were brought into the kitchen and they'd sit and watch the, the chefs cooking so we, we have an interesting relationship and that, so that's my background mm. my other background is I mean I've worked with the Tipperary food producers um, for many years there were an umbrella group in Tipperary um, I worked with the Saver Kilkenny Food Festival for a number of years when I was down there and I have lots of other food connections so um, Were you involved in a restaurant? I was indeed a yeah. uh, Farm Hill restaurant in Goatstown, yeah. Um, so I've loads of I've loads of different food connections there. So you've seen you've seen a huge transformation in, in, in food in Ireland, haven't you, over the years? Oh, massive, massive, and and year by year it's changing. And what's happening is chefs from say restaurants that have been going for maybe ten years are now setting off and opening their own restaurant. And sometimes small takeaways. You know, I know you mentioned Salah earlier, mm. but does, does that day I know where they've come from, what restaurant they've come from. Mm. You know, um, so a lot of them have, and I suppose that's natural progression. And, and, and the, the way we all work, um, but it's it's really and then the South Asian section as well. This, it's just this Thai restaurant, super Thai restaurant, and there was a couple of winners from from the Loud Me area as well last year. Um, Tamarind in Drogheda won an award for the best romantic restaurant, I think it was in Leinster, and Cinnamon Garden in Ashburn won a couple of awards, but and, and have when previous occasions won best restaurant in Leinster. So there's really good, really good standards around. It's very difficult. And is isn't incredible. I mean, we, we we had some some shared and cheese mongers were in with us a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. you know, they were just the way the whole food industry from 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 earth up has changed. I mean, uh, it, it, it's just incredible. Absolutely, and the standard and, and that makes my job very difficult. It makes the job difficult for the, the judges around the country. I know people say, "God, it's really tough, Paul." Just <laughs> that they have to go and eat curries. But actually, the reality is because the standard's so high. You know, if a judge comes back to me, say, for example, in in, Le- in Leinster, um, and says this ex restaurant in such a place, and another. 
judge says this and does the other place, they should really be the winners. And it's kind of like, oh, and then they score them for mm. me and the scores are identical. I kind of, I you, nearly have you to then grab have myself. To go and yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tell us about Indian food because one of the things that has always intrigued me and, 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 and I think I was saying to you off air, you know, I've lived in England on a number of occasions and they love their Indian food. Yes. Presumably that goes way back to when there was a colony, yes. etc. and the troops or whatever brought the food home. And um, But Indian food isn't just from India. No, no. So you've got um, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and there's absolutely loads of Bangladeshi restaurants. Mm-hmm. Now. In fact, a lot of the original ones were from Bangladesh. Um, and then India. And of course, then in India, you have all sorts of different regions. Nepal. Yeah. And um, funny, we have a few Nepali, good few Nepalese restaurants in this year as well. And um, But even w- within, you know, the subcontinent of India itself, there, there's the, the food from southern India is different to the food from northern India. Now, I've reached a stage where I can actually tell the difference. Mm. And I kind of have an idea where they're from. The South tends to use a lot more coconut milk and that, you know, Kerala and that. And speaking of Kerala, Bibi Baskin is actually one of our judges. She's a, a judge in Cork this year. You know Bibi? Uh, so she lived in India, didn't she? She, she did yeah. for 15 years. Mm. So she's she's one of two judges in Cork and um, doing a great job down there. So, so she knows her Indian food. If nobody uh, after 15 years in so India... So you won't you pull the wool over Bibi's eyes no, in this one. No, 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 not at all. How much of our, our love of Indian and curries and all, I mean, in some ways a lot of this will go back actually to Chinese restaurants when, when curry began. Yeah. Almost the same, and, and I was only reading on Twitter. Someone was was uh, was debating this a few uh, weeks ago. How someone of, of a particularly young age couldn't believe that years ago, if you were in a nightclub, you had to have the chicken curry at twelve o'clock yeah, that's right. to extend the bar license. And that was I'm old, old enough to remember that. Remember that as well. But literally, chicken curry and chips was, was thrown out in front of you, and, and you had a little ticket. Whatever. Well, thankfully, we've come on we've a long, come a long way, way from, from there. there. But, but the chicken curry was, for a lot of ki- people, would have been the introduction, wouldn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, and, and tikka masala, you mm. know, which is sort of the, quite derided these days, but it, it actually was many people's first introduction. And, and then, of course, they, they were introduced in supermarkets with the takeaways in the supermarkets and that. And all of all of the supermarkets have a big Indian section now. How big, how big, I know in Britain it's just huge, but how big is the Indian food sector? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we have, at the moment... At the moment, there's 400 restaurants have been, in Ireland, have, and that's North, South, East, West, have been um, nominated by 84,000 p- different people have nominated between Facebook and emails and Twitter and everything else. It was 84,000, so it's been a busy job for the guys in Belfast <laughs> to collate it all. Um, I, do, I do have a bone to pick with certain Indian restaurants with um, chicken tikka masala, because a yeah. lot of... A lot of it ends up tasting like tomato soup. I know, I know, I know. But it's it's and my I, kids, my kids get demented with this because I'm yeah. not another one. Yeah, it's, it's funny. A lot of restaurants now don't actually have it on their menu, you know, and they, they have become a lot more sophisticated. I mean, there's fine dining Indian restaurants in, in well, specifically in Dublin, and but there are around the country as well. Um, that would it, it's like artwork, you know, when when you see it on the plate. Um, and a lot of a lot of this, the, this, the story of the curry was was also that it was to acknowledge with the contribution the um, Asian community has mm. given to Ireland and um, also to just diversity and to, you know, integration and, and acknowledging that, uh, the, the work they have done and put into this, into our, our country, it made it more colourful. I, I was reading from uh, Ali Oscar, the founder, and, and he was saying, you know, across a lot of Ireland, and this is North and South, you know, a lot of, a lot of local in businesses, post offices, banks are closing down. 
mm-hmm. but the Indian restaurant, the Chinese restaurant, the Malaysian restaurant, whatever it may be, mm. are in some ways contributing to keeping the community going. They, they are, and they're blooming. And it's not like it's not just Dublin and Leinster. Mm. You know, I mean, this year we've got the most we've ever had from Connacht. Um, we have the most we've ever had from Munster as well. Um, like the first year, there was wasn't that many, but then once all started to hear about the awards, that, that they were pushing their customers to get them to vote. And I'm going to ask you how people can get involved now in a second, but sure. to put you on the spot, your favourite Indian meal? Oh God, you mean dish or restaurant? Meal, start to finish. Start to finish, okay. I'd start with, um, I'd start with shish kebab, once it's nice and freshly made. Sinead's nodding her head out out in the producer's booth, she's quite happy with this, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'd start with shish kebab, Uh, then I'd go on, bread is very important by Mm. the way, you have to have naan bread all the way through, variations on it. Ashwari is quite nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous, Mm. yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I'm sure it's great for the figure, but it's very nice. Curry-wise, God, I had a really spicy one Friday night, um, a little mass but that was a really spicy lamb curry and I like very spicy food but that one sort of might have pushed me a bit over the edge but I, I would like something like a um, a buna gosht or um, mm. you can see the, uh, the lamb bit coming in here all the time and I, I would I would tend more towards lamb dishes than, than um, it's quite an Indian thing isn't it it is yeah yeah than chicken or other yeah um and uh, yeah, then uh, a dessert. I love traditional Indian desserts, mm. which are difficult to get in places. But something like gulab jamun, which is a honey cake, you and know. they're they're quite delicate, aren't they? The they, Indian desserts. Yeah, they are. Yeah, mm. the real ones are. Yeah, and I know a lot of a lot of places. And I understand that they don't have maybe pastry chef or somebody mm. there to, to to make them, but. Um, and they've just got the traditional line of ice cream, but but the more sophisticated ones are, are definitely have improved their. Um and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the the Ruby Murray as they say on, on uh, Only Fools and Horses. Well, <laughs> with the bottle of Cobra or Tiger, would it? Co- oh, Cobra, Cobra sponsors. Of oh the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cobra Bear. We, are, mm. we I think we all like Cobra Bear, you know. And oh, uh, I'm getting hungry here. I know. I'm hungry myself. <laughs> it's not like I don't have enough curries. <laughs> you did mention them in the Malaysian food, exactly. Uh, yeah, and Thai food. That's making it. a bigger bigger impact. It has this year as well yeah there's great ones yeah there's, there's great there's great um, Malaysian Thai restaurants you know springing up and, and in, coming up in parts of the country like you know actually sending somebody for curry in tub of curry would you believe I was I, it gave now me great joy it, <laughs> it gave me a great joy to find somebody a judge in the area that could have a curry in cup of curry now tell us our listeners uh, while they're salivating over the prospect of their curry how can they get involved in all of this they can, well first of all they, they can continue to if they wish to nominate their via the website Via, via the website and Which via is Facebook it's irishcurryawards.com irishcurryawards.com and, and it's irishcurryawards on Facebook mm-hmm. um, they can also um, if particularly in this area if they're interested in, for tickets for the awards they can find them on irishcurryawards.com it's in the hotel Pilo Hotel Pilo in Ashburn as you said on the 23rd of October and um, are, God helped the, the poor chefs that night well it's interesting you should say that the um, the chef there is Indian and a, a, a director of food and beverage is Indian as well so, so they're, they're well versed they're well versed Paul I have to say thank you very much unfortunately we've run out of time thank Paul you O'Connor very much Carl. from the Irish Curry Awards irishcurryawards.com dot com. Dot com is the website and we look forward 23rd of October in the Peel Hotel my thanks to Sinead we'll be back with you tomorrow from half one with Oliver Cowan the late- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 